Okay, so um, as you've gathered, we're in this Advent season, and it's a season of excitement and anticipation, and we look forward to Christmas Day, where we have our uh, celebration. And we love Advent, because Advent's talking about the coming of Christ himself, God himself into our world, as John just prayed, that God himself comes down to earth as a man uh, to show us how to live like him and to save us from what's rightfully ours. And we've got much to give thanks for. And the coming of Christ into the world, there's this anticipation, there's excitement. I personally love Christmas. I'm not too worried about all the dates and was it the real one or anything like that. It's a great time to celebrate and I love it because I love a celebration. I love giving and receiving presents, uh, but I also love it because um, the nation's minds turn to Christmas and it gives us an opportunity to share about the hope that we have. And we sang Jesus, hope of the nations. He's the one living in us. He is the hope living in us. That's what we sang. He is the light in whom we trust. He is the one that will change the world. He is the one who is changing the world. He is the one bringing hope into the world that actually seems quite cynical. So we start this Advent series today. If you didn't pick one up last week, pick one of these up and you get the whole mini-series and the sermon titles and everything else. So you can be praying into it. You might even want to uh, give that out or you might want to put it in the bin. But uh, Dave spent a lot of time doing it, so please don't put me in the bin. Um, but we're starting this Advent series and it's entitled uh, Beacons. Uh, why would we pick beacons? Why would we do that? It's fairly obvious. If you think of a beacon or you think of a lighthouse, uh, what are they designed to do? They're designed to shine. They're designed to shine. You wouldn't build a lighthouse or a beacon and never never light it up. It would be worthless. It would be pointless. And we're supposed to be a beacon people. They're designed to shine, to bring light, sometimes to warn. A lighthouse is there to warn uh, people. If you ignore the light, you're going to end up in darkness or on the rocks uh, to warn people. Uh, They're not made to not shine. They're not made to not shine. And what does that mean for us as God's Advent people, people of Advent, people of expectation. It means, if we're thinking of ourselves as beacons, it means we should shine. We should shine in a dark world. And Jesus says this, doesn't he? Oh, I've got my little thing here. Uh, look at the um, I am sayings of Jesus. That worked on the test. There it is. Uh, you probably can't read all them. I'll read some out. All these, all these uh, sayings of Jesus. Remember in the Old Testament when God was asked, you know, what, 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 do I, what do I tell people your name? He said, well, I am who I am. He pointed to himself and said, I am. I'm the great I am. The I am. So when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, or I am the good shepherd, I am the way, the truth, and life, he knew exactly what it meant for those original hearers. He knew that he was telling them he is God. That's why they didn't like it. They thought it was blasphemy. I am the bread of life. I am the true vine. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He's basically saying everything is wrapped up in him. Without him, there is nothing. He is the creator. Everything was made by him, for him, and through him. It's all about him. And Christmas is all about him. It's what it is. It's Christ's mass. Christ, the anointed one, the Christos. It's all about him. It's all about him. When he says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, he's saying everything is wrapped up in me. And a passage we read often at Scripture, right at the beginning of John's Gospel, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God. His name was John. 
He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. This is what we're looking forward to when we celebrate Christian. The true light is coming into the world. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. This is where we get this term, born again. And some people say, oh, he's really serious, he's a born again Christian. It's wrong. If you're born again, you are a Christian. If you're a Christian, you're born again. We don't say you're a born again, born again. You need to be born again to be a Christian. That's what we represent in baptism. The word became flesh, made his dwelling among us. That's what you just said, John. He came down on this earth, made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So this this person comes into the world that we're looking forward to at Christmas. He's going to go on to say all these I am sayings, pointing to himself, saying, look, effectively I'm God. But out of all of them, all of those I am sayings that we can see up there and what I've read out, which one did he pick to describe you as a Christian out of all of them? Only one. He didn't say you're the bread of life. Did he? Didn't say you're the true vine. Didn't say you're the way. Didn't say you're the truth. Didn't say you're the life. Didn't say you're the good shepherd. He said you are the light of the world. That's the one I am he picked on to say this is now your identity. He pointed to himself later on, didn't he? I am the light of the world. But then he says, but you are the light of the world. You're these beacons, these lighthouses. You're the light shining for all the world to see, like we sung. Because you are the body of Christ. Christ is in the world now through you. We are the body of Christ. And so therefore, we should shine. And this is what uh, this whole beacon saying is about. It's given personally to us. You are the light of the world. It's not just you're the light of the world. He says, let your light shine. We should be making a difference. The question this morning is, are we shining? Lots of uh, jumpers beginning to appear. Uh, I know some before Christmas, they will have lights on them. Um, but really, through our lives, are we shining, these people of hope? So uh, today we're talking about beacons of hope in a cynical world. And I'm just going to talk uh, relatively briefly because we have uh, communion. But it is a cynical world. Uh, the world turns a blind eye to God. Uh, you can argue, or the world certainly does, that everyone's on the make. Everyone wants something out of you. They're out to get you. They even say that as Christians, and they're, they're right. Um, but cynicism in faith, some don't believe, some don't care, and some intentionally are against faith. And you strip that down further to one faith, the faith that we're concerned about, which we would say unashamedly and unapologetically that is the one true faith, the Christian faith. And the image can be one of weakness, defeatism and apathetic. And I have to say, sometimes the church underlines those attitudes. And the temptation when we speak to speak of hope um, is maybe in a way that is almost mythical uh, and is more about wishful thinking. I hope things will be okay. I hope I'm right about Jesus. I hope the church won't shrink. I hope we might just have a bit of God's power. I hope I'm loved by God. I hope, I hope, I hope. It's a wish list. And not necessarily is it true. 
you're not going to read that. I've put it up there because I'm going to read something to you in a second and I want to make sure you know it's all biblical because all the references are there. The temptation is to speak of hope in a way that the world speaks of hope. But the word hope, the biblical definition of hope, is not the world's definition of hope. The biblical definition of hope is confident expectation. That's what it means when it's written in the Bible. It is confident expectation. I'm not hoping to be saved. I'm not hoping that God loves me. I'm absolutely confident that I'm saved and that God loves me. It's not a wishful thinking. I hope I'll be okay. I will be in the end. There might be uh, 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 trials and troubles and temptations in this life, but it will be okay in the end. I hope I'm right about Jesus. The Christian hope says, I am right about Jesus. I hope the church won't shrink. The Christian hope is the church will grow. In fact, I said the other week, the church is growing globally now at the fastest rate since the resurrection. People will tell you it's dying. And you know where it's growing the most? It's the, it's the people that shouldn't have any hope, but they've held on to the hope in Christ, and it's growing. It's growing. I hope we have a bit of power. You have the power of the Holy Spirit within you. I hope I'm loved by God. God loves you so much, he sent his son in the world to die for you, which we celebrate at the communion table. I hope, I hope, I hope, has to be replaced with, I'm confident, confident, confident in my expectations of God. I have confident expectation. That's my hope. Max Licardo wrote this. He said, Hope is a firm assurance regarding things that are unclear and unknown. Hope is a fundamental component of the life of the righteous. And these have got all the biblical references. I can send these to you. This is what's up there, but you can't read them. I just wanted it on one page, so I didn't have to keep pressing this. Uh, Without hope, life loses its meaning. In death, there is no hope if you're not the righteous. The righteous who trust, who put their hope in God, will be helped and they will not be confounded, put to shame or disappointed. The righteous who have this trustful hope in God have a general confidence in God's protection and help and are free from fear and anxiety. The New Testament idea of hope is the recognition that in Christ is found the fulfilment of the Old Testament promises. Christian hope is rooted in faith in the divine salvation in Christ. Hope of Christians is brought into being through the presence of the promised Holy Spirit. It is the future hope of the resurrection of the dead, the promises given to Israel, the redemption of the body and of the whole creation, eternal glory, eternal life, and the inheritance of the saints, the return of Christ, transformation into the likeness of Christ, the salvation of God, or simply Christ himself. The certainty of this blessed future is guaranteed through the indwelling of the Spirit, Christ in us, the hope of glory, and the resurrection of Christ. Hope is produced by endurance through suffering and is the inspiration behind endurance. Those who hope in Christ will see Christ exalted in life and in death. Trustworthy promises from God give us hope, and we may boast in this hope and exhibit great boldness in our faith. By contrast, those who do not place their trust in God are said to be without hope. Along with faith and love, hope is the enduring virtue of the Christian life and love springs from hope. Hope produces joy and peace in believers through the power of the Spirit. Paul attributes his apostolic calling to the hope of eternal glory. Hope is the return, in the return of Christ is the basis for believers to purify themselves in this life. You are a person of hope. We have so much to hope for. I've, I can give you all these references. You can go and explore them. But it's just trying to get you to the point. When we say talk about hope, it's huge. It's just one of our Advent weeks, but it's huge. And Christ 
is hope. You are a person of hope. Romans, uh, Paul writes in Romans 15, quoting from Isaiah. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. In him, in him the Gentiles will hope. May the God of hope fill you. May the God of hope fill you. And it seems to me, when I read this passage... It's kind of, as I get the hope, I'm filled with the other things. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you see in that, that, that short verse there, the floodgate opens to other things. If my hope, if my assurance is in Christ, it opens up all these other things. May the God of hope, for you with joy and peace as you trust in him. If I don't trust in him, I'm not going to have that joy and peace because life isn't perfect and there's things that happen. And if our faith is built on things, uh, I've got trust in God only when it goes right, then we're on shaky ground. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. See how it floodgates to all the other things. God is the God of hope. You and me are people of hope of confident expectation, not that mythical worldly hope. I just hope it works out in the end. Of course we do. We all want that. But it's his bigger hope. It's a confident expectation. I am in Christ. He is in me. I can do all things in him who strengthens me. I can accomplish much in his name. Without him, I can't do much at all. I must stay connected to the vine. I must guard my relationship with him because the things of the world challenge us. Sometimes they're great, but other times they're not so great. Our health will challenge us. Our finances will challenge us. Our situations will challenge us. Sometimes they'll all be good. Sometimes they'll all be bad. But if I put my hope in any of those things, if I trust in any of those things, at some point I will be disappointed. I will never be disappointed in Christ because there's that confident expectation that he will see me through and he will see you through as well. You're a person of hope, confident expectation. And when we, really, when we really take that on board, then you can receive joy and peace, even when you don't understand. That inner joy, even in suffering. That real mature Christians, I see that in them. And it's such a maturity, and they have such grace and serenity, that even in suffering, they speak of Christ, and they speak of his love, and they speak of the hope that they have in him because they know it's not the end. People that have suffered with disease, of course we don't want disease. We know it's all from the fall. We know we're in a fallen world. And we pray for them, and some get better and some don't. But they always hold on to the hope that they have in Christ. They know that whatever happens, they will see him. They will see him face to face. And it does sadden me. And this is not to be judgmental, because I'm sure um, I've probably had this attitude at some point as well. But it saddens me when people, and sometimes strong people of faith, Something troubling happens, or something more serious than troubling. A serious uh, uh, incident will go on. It's like a switch is turned off. They lose all hope. There's an acceptance of the cynicism of the world. They start to doubt everything. They lose hope. They disregard God as a kind of a punishment to God. He's not working for me, so I'm not going to come and worship him. They may even stop coming to church as some form of protest. And it hurts. The church is the body of Christ. And you know who loves it is Satan. He loves, he loves isolating Christians, especially when they're suffering. He loves them to doubt God. He loves them to lose hope. But as Christians, we stand against that. We're called to be a people of hope in this sometimes cynical world. 
And of course, we recognise life isn't always great. Although in this country, we have it a lot better off than most. And as I said at the beginning, the church growth that we're seeing globally is from those countries who are suffering the most. It's because they trust, and it's because they have hope and confident expectation that God will move. Confident expectation. Not everyone is healed. Everything won't always be okay. But when I put my troubles against the hope that is found in God, and he gives that to me, that's where I can find the joy and peace, despite the circumstances. Despite the circumstances. Sometimes it's really easy to have that, that confident expectation in God because things are good. It's not so easy when things are bad. But we must hold on. Uh, Hebrews 6. and get this to work. You end up pressing it three times and you'll see the end of the sermon. There it is. Uh, Hebrew, sorry, Hebrews uh, 10, 19 to 25. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the light of the world, the bread of life, the true vine, the resurrection and the life, the good shepherd. So therefore, who am I going to put my hope in? It's got to be him. He's everything. It's all wrapped up in him. And the challenge in that passage for me, when I read that, and, and I guess it will be for you as well, the challenge when it says, hold unswervingly, unswervingly to the hope you profess. Unswervingly it means don't veer off the path. Don't take a wrong direction. Hold on to it because you will have challenges. And we have generations of people coming up and, and sometimes you might say, to them, well, it's not really much of a challenge. And when it happens... They get stressed out and anxious, but actually life does throw challenges. And, and as adults, it throws challenges. And people often can't cope. I was talking to somebody yesterday, because we're talking about another suicide. And we said that the biggest killer of men in this country now, under the age of 45, is suicide. Because they feel they have no hope. And of course, we've got this message, and we're beacons, and we should be shining. I've got a hope in him. And the challenge of holding unswervingly to that hope is when... The trouble comes, when the strife comes, when uh, the enemy's trying to knock you off the road. You know, if, if uh, uh, the, the advice, isn't it, if you're driving a car, and I apologise to you animal lovers, uh, but I'm human lovers as well, um, but you're driving along the road and an animal comes out, the advice is just hit it. Don't swerve, uh, because probably you might hit it anyway and, and actually you might do yourself and other people damage. Just keep going. Um, things will run out in the way of your Christian walk. And the challenge is to try and swerve and skirt around the issue. But actually you can't. You're going to have to face it. But you can, you can face those challenges in him and hold unswervingly to the, to the hope that you profess. Sometimes it's hard and sometimes it's easy. And I don't know what you're going through this morning. I know my life. I know Andrew's life. I know my kids' life. Well, some of it. They don't tell me everything. Uh, we can guess some of it. You know, we're not always happy. Um, but I've got to hold unswervingly to the faith that I profess. And it's hard. And sometimes it will take determination on the, on the behalf of the disciple of Christ. 
It means saying, look, I'm going to make a decision. I will not give in. And the enemy can throw all sorts of things at you, but you have to hold the line. You don't have to give in. You don't have to succumb. He who is in you, is, he, he's bigger than him. I will hope in him. I will not give in. In good times, I will hope in him. In bad times, I will hope in him. Remember, it's this confident expectation. In times when the outcome is bad and I don't understand it, I choose to say, well, I will hope in him. In a cynical world that wants to mock me in my faith, I will hope in him. In my frustrations, I choose to hope in him. In my failings, I will hope in him. My achievements, my questions, my doubts, my dreams, my goals, my expectations, I will hope in him. For my family, I will hope in him. For the church, for society, for the world, I will hope in him. Because if I put my hope in anyone else, it's going to fail. I have to hope in him. I have to have that confident expectation, and so do you. So as we uh, approach Advent, where we're in Advent, our Advent mission uh, to be these beacons of hope, to let your light shine, is to live it out, to really shine in this cynical world, to show a different way. Don't just profess your faith. You've got to shine. You've got to show it. It means giving hope to others where they feel there's no hope. It might be putting an arm around someone in Waitrose or Tesco's or Lidl's or wherever you're going to get your Christmas shopping. People are stressed at Christmas. There's a lot of good news. People get really stressed. They get in debt. They think there's no answer. Put an arm around someone if you see them. There's loads of them around. You walk up the high street, you see the stressed uh, look on people's face. I saw a lovely thing on Facebook um, yesterday evening where uh, I think it was Queenie's. You know the new one that's causing all the drama because of their sign. It's all over Billericay Facebook. But it's too bright, too dark. Honestly, get a life anyway. But if you're a complainer, I sympathise with you, of course. But, um, <laughs> but uh, someone was in there and they posted on Facebook and there's a yellow sticky note and they just said uh, something like, I hope this person is blessed. I don't know if they're a Christian or not. And the sticky note says, the man that just left paid for your meal. And I have no idea who it is. I love it. I love it. And, uh, you know, there's things we can do as Christians. A friend of mine, uh, he was a city broker. He's not a Christian. He came on one of my alphas. Um, but uh, he's still searching and everything else, but he told me yesterday, uh, now he's a city broker, and, and um, he's got quite a few properties. He doesn't overly need to work. He said, um, guess what I'm doing? I thought we could be here forever because he's been up so much in his life. I said, what is it? He said, I've become a cab driver. He said, I'm 20, 20, 20. I said, what's 20, 20, 20? I thought, what's, you know, what's that about? He said, oh, it's the Brentwood cab number, 20, 20, 20. I said, oh, great. He said, I said, what are you doing that for? He said, I'm getting bored. And I said, well... I said, how did you go up? So he kept telling me the whole story. He said, I said, what's the best thing about your job? He said, and he's a really upbeat, funny, funny person. He's really funny. In fact, when we used to broke together, they split us up in the dining room. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's true. And um, he said, I love people getting in my cab. He said, and they're so stressed. And so he said, I just start talking to him. I crack a joke. I say, how's your day? And he said, I just talk. He said, and it's brilliant. He said, you see, when they get out, they're laughing and they're smiling. I thought, he's not a Christian, as far as I know. Um, but isn't that great that he had an impact on somebody? Just puts a, a not necessarily a physical arm around them, but, but a, maybe a, just an emotional arm. How are you doing? Don't worry. Things will be okay. You'll be all right. And just tells him a bit of a joke. And he is good to be around. But just gives them a bit of, just lifts them up. Aren't we supposed to do that? As Christians, can't we be this Christmas to hope for others if we know someone who's on their own or you know, maybe they're praying 
And we, we could be the answer to that prayer. Helping others. You're their hope. Live it out to shine, to show a different way. Colossians 1.27 says, God has chosen to make known this hope. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You know, the prison ministry that you'll hear about tonight, that's people going into prison. They're not getting paid. They're sacrificing time because they love God and they love people. God should make a commandment about that. They go in and they give them hope. There's sunny days at Sunnymead on a Tuesday morning. Some older folk who maybe wouldn't get out all week, they come in and they hear a message of hope. To the young mums and dads at the various toddlers group we do, people really give up their free time uh, and you see how busy it is and it's amazing, but maybe there's a word of hope in there at some point when we all know what it can be stressful being a parent. We can give hope. We can really give hope. So we proclaim him so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end I labour, struggling with all his energy which so powerfully works in me. Jesus says, you're the light of the world. So this Christmas as we give and receive gifts, it's really, really nice. People are thinking of Jesus. We need to think of him and of others. We can be their hope. We can literally be their hope in this world. You're beacons. Jesus has given you this identity. All those I am sayings, he picks one. You are the light of the world. Let your light shine. Be a beacon of hope. Jesus said, uh, sorry, we just sang Jesus, hope of the nations. And I really really truly believe he is. When I see people's lives transformed in him, when I see them put their trust in him, their lives may not change. It can still be pretty bad. But have this hope, this confident expectation in the Christ who comes at Christmas. And he's the hope that we sang living in us because we have his spirit, so we need to shine. He is the light shining for all the world to see. We're his body. So if his body shines, he shines. And then we say to him, we believe in you. And we're going to sing after communion, Jesus, my living hope. He is our hope as we approach this communion table now. He is the living hope for all of us. There is this great chasm, we sing it, don't we, that came between us. But Jesus Christ is my living hope. This chasm means I'm separated from God without Christ. It means that I'm alive, but I'm not spiritually alive. I must be born again. I must ask Christ into my life. I must turn to God, because without him, I don't really have any hope. I'm going to go along with the world's version of hope, which is I hope it's okay. I I hope this might be true. I hope, I hope, I hope. The Christian is I have confident expectation in God. And and why you wouldn't want God in your life, I don't know. He says, you're the light of the world. He says, he is the light of the world. He wants to come into our lives and let us shine. Be a beacon of hope. Jesus, my living hope. Praise the one who set me free. And that's what we'll be doing uh, fairly soon. We're going to come to communion. I just want to pause. Um, I guess the message is, go away and be people people of hope. I could have done that in like one minute, couldn't I? I'm trying to get you to this, this... I really felt God on this Advent series. We put a lot of work into this. It is fun, but it is a serious message. Let your light shine. He picked on one I am saying. And he said, you're the light of the world. Wherever you go, you can shine. You can make the difference. If a mate cab driver can do it, you can do it. You can do it. You can put the arm around someone. Maybe you buy their breakfast. You can just speak a word. Be nice to the woman on the till. You know, they're stressed. Or whatever it is, you can be the hope and you can talk about Christ to them. Jesus, hope of the nations. Jesus, 
my living hope. As we approach communion, we're saying our hope is found in Christ. And it's Christ on the cross, Christ crucified for my sin, for yours. He pays for it, he dies for it, he does it for a reason. He didn't like the suffering, he did it because God so loved the world, he sent his son for you. It's so personal, it's so personal. So let me pause and let me pray and then we'll share uh, the bread and wine together. Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you, Lord, that we have this opportunity that in you we can be people of hope and that you call us to let our light shine before others. They might see the good things that we do, not for our glory but for yours, so they may praise our Father in heaven. We thank you, Lord, that you don't leave us as orphans, that when we ask you into our life, you come. You come. Your verse where you say, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, and opens their life. I will come in and eat with them. And it was such an intimate thing to eat with somebody. Your promise is, is, if we ask you, you come into our lives. So we don't hope that you did. We don't hope that we're loved or hope that we're saved. We thank you, Lord, with a confident expectation that you came into our lives, that you have saved us, that you do love us, and you do send us into the world, just as the Father sent you to shine because we are your body. And we thank you for that amazing privilege and the confidence and the power that we have through you to do just that in whatever situation we're in. And as we come to the communion table now, Lord, we thank you that this was a reality as well. We don't just hope for the bread and the wine. We don't hope that it happened. The evidence is there. And we thank you, Lord, that you call us into this meal that speaks of forgiveness. The bread, your body given for us. The the wine, your blood shed for us and that we're part of the new covenant. But we recognise, Lord, though we're not to be condemned, that we do get things wrong. And so we just take this time now to offer things to you in the silence that we should before we break bread and wine as a fellowship. In Jesus' name, amen.